Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. August. Almost your birthday. I know. Tomorrow. I was thinking about this today. I was like, so my birthday's tomorrow, but this won't go up until, I don't know, Thursday, maybe. Yeah. Wednesday, not Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, yeah. This, there's time. But anyway, so it could go up on my birthday, but I was like, we'll probably record it the day before and it might go up the day after. So this is like a weird Schrodinger's birthday or something. <laughs> like, I don't know how that works. Like, I'm still, I'm perpetually, it doesn't matter how old I am, but you know. No matter when you hear it. Send Eric a birthday card. Yeah, and it's not a important date, you know? Like, it's like a one. It's like a number and then a one, you know? It's always weird how we celebrate zeros and fives. Yeah. But a seven is like, yeah, go to hell seven. I like four. Because I'm, okay, I'm turning 41. I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> so I'm so, but I'm still 40. Actually, when you hear this, I might not be. But anyway, I had a good run. But 44, I like. Because, like, four is my lucky number. I've always liked 44. Well, 42, if you're a nerd, you get a whole bunch of Hitchhiker's Guide presents. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because for my 42nd, a friend of mine made me a sock monkey. Okay. But with 42 pattern. All like right. specifically from Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. And I also got a t-shirt. So there's certain numbers like that. If you're a nerd, you can get extra special gifts. But wasn't Trump the 42nd president? Oh, man, he ruined it. Yeah, I could be <laughs> wrong, but I feel like when I think 42, I usually think that. I mean, again, I might be wrong. How could he ruin it? I don't know. <laughs> Douglas Adams trumps Trump on yeah. keeping that a cool number. Well, it's all it's funny, too, because for people that like numbers like 50 or something, someone might love the number 50 and they're like, oh, five, oh, the police, right? And you're like, no, I just <laughs> like the number 50. There's all these or, or like someone might really love 420 as a number. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, I get it. And you're like, no, I just enjoy numbers. And then today we almost didn't go because your schedule got complicated. Everything got weird. And then I was going to force you to work on your birthday. I think it's been like three straight weird weeks, actually, now that I think about it. but Just weeks? No, years, decades. Well, I mean, that too, but it, more specifically, like it's always weird, but there's, you know, these things happen. And so I was willing to come in on my actual birthday despite having loose plans. Yeah. There's like a, supposedly a horror themed cafe that just opened up in Carlton Place. What does that even mean? So I guess Just it's like, like posters and stuff. Yeah. There's like horror themed coffee and stuff. And I guess they made, so my mom went in cause she's the nicest person and likes supporting small business. My parents do not like horror movies <laughs> to put it lightly. Like my, my uh, dad and I went and see Oppenheimer and then one of the ads was the new exorcist uh-huh. and I had watched the ad the night before. And so it's just funny, like watching movies with him or sorry, watching trailers with him movies too, but like trailers that's when I got the curmudgeon aspect I thought I would get out of him about any new movie. Yeah. So he was psyched for Oppenheimer because, you know, no CGI, pretty historical, all of that. But the trailers, that's when the curmudgeon came out. And so <laughs> one of them was Dune 2. And he was like, oh, when are they going to stop remaking Star Wars? And I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the book came out way before Star Wars did. And he was like, oh, well, you know, and he was kind of like mumbling. And I was like, also, the first movie was great. So that's my favorite <laughs> awesome weird dad troll complaint about Dune 2 is that it's ripping off Star Wars. Yeah. When the Dune book predates Star Wars. Yeah, like didn't it come out in like the 40s or like 50s? I don't know. Someone's least. mad at us right now, but I know it's old. I want to say like 52, but I could be like way off on that. I don't know. It could be like 80s, but anyway, I'm quite certain that it came out before 77. At it least. was definitely before The Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah, well. So anyway, the Exorcist trailer, I saw it starting and I leaned over and I was like, oh, you're really going to hate this one. First of all, because it's a horror movie. Second of all, because it's a sequel to an older movie. But then I was like, wait, did you even watch The Exorcist? Because like he doesn't watch horror movies. And he thought about it for a minute. And he's like, well, 
And I've seen enough clips to feel like I did see it. <laughs> I'm like, so I feel like you've seen two clips. But anyway, I want your dad to have a podcast. I I don't know if you want that actually. Like he has he has opinions about things. Dune but. is 1965. Oh, all right. So it's uh, it's 12 years before Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Like I knew it was it was definitely before, but I, I, yeah, I'm never. Maybe good he doesn't with that know stuff. it's a book, and he thinks the David Lynch movie is the first thing. And there's so many books too. Like didn't he, like Frank oh, Herbert, yeah. you know, or Haybert. It's one of those ones that even after he died, his son, whether it was for noble intentions or not, kept on making them. Yeah, and oh my god, and there's I can't remember there was another one I saw like that recently where yeah, I think it's the son. And it's it's not Ian Fleming, but it was someone like yeah, noteworthy. Yeah, yeah. So you see the book and the top, and you're just like, "We'll go with Ian Fleming because it's fun." And I, yeah. he's in my head right now. But you're like, Ian Fleming, new book, and then the bottom, it's this like written by George Fleming, you know, yeah. something like that. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. And then you always think it's like, no, my dad really wanted this published, and it could have been like three pages of rough notes that he wrote down and then yeah. went, nah, I don't really like this book. I actually think, isn't the Tolkien estate doing stuff like that? Oh, for sure. And years back, they kept doing that yeah. kind of thing of putting out books that were from the rough draft door of J.R.R. Tolkien. And it's so funny because when you say written by his son, I always picture a 12-year-old. Yeah. But it's like a 50-year-old man or a 60-year-old man doing it. I got mad about that when, and it's so tough. I'm on the fence because... I really, really liked the Paul Feig-produced Charlie Brown movie, or Peanuts movie. Oh, wow. That's not at all. I really thought you were going to say uh, Ghostbusters. No, no, wait. Because I have also read and deeply love the original comics. And I read them reproduced in these really great two-years-per-book anthology that I read thanks to the library over mm -hmm. a number of years. But in that... There's an interview with Charles Schultz that was posted after he died where he was like, I was so pleased to complete this 50-year run where I did every single thing. And although we've had cartoons and stuff in the past, I really like the idea of it ending with me and this is my legacy. And then after he died, his children were like, let's make more stuff. Yeah. And some of that stuff's been really good. But nonetheless, I'm kind of like... You have enough books. You can just keep reprinting those books. Yeah. But that they made the movie and that there's new comic books, like actual, like, in comic book form. And part of me is like, yeah, I don't know if that's what your dad wanted. No, he's, well, the worst of that is the Berenstein Bears. Oh, yeah. Like, like, the son is a hardcore conservative. Oh, and yeah. And so he's writing all these new books that are just like... The Berenstein Bears love Trump. And like, I mean, it's not that intense. And I'll stop mentioning Trump at some point. It's basically my birthday. Leave me alone. But, yeah. But still, like, and so a lot of people are, it's just sort of happened gradually. And for someone like you or I, there's no way in hell we'd ever notice that. We're not looking yeah, at those yeah, books, yeah. you know. I think most people, especially people like around our age and a little bit older, like had those books in their childhood. Yeah. Like at least a few of them. And so I can't remember how I fell down the rabbit hole of this. But yeah, like the sun kind of gradually moved it along. It's, you know, support our troops type of stuff or really Christianity stuff. And it, it was subtle at first, but now it's like literally like you know, the Berenstein Bears have faith or something like that. Or That's like, so interesting. The, or the Berenstein Bears love our flag or something. You're just like, okay, really? Like... Like, I get back to the pegboard one where they're making a pegboard yeah. to clean up their room. Like, what is this? I guess because it was just passed along to him. There's no legal ramification. You just do whatever you want. And I don't, and I think they are, one of them, one of his parents passed like a while back. I believe they are both passed at this point. Yeah. But like, I think he took over, he started helping when one or both were still alive. And so I don't think it was an immediate thing, but 
Uh, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, it is your legacy in a way. You do have the right to do this, but you know, the fact that you can't really take yourself out of your own head for a moment and be like, what does this mean to other people? You yeah. know, like, what am I pushing here that is my own values and is going to be divisive? Because I mean, I guarantee, I mean, I don't have kids, but like, if I did and I found this out, there's no way in hell I'd be buying into these new books. It'd be so great if it went the other direction and he made like a Willy's Wonderland oh, man. kind of R-rated movie with the Berenstein Bears. Oh, they should. Like, I mean, that. I think there was a cartoon or something like that at some point. Maybe there still is for all I know. Like, this is the kind of stuff that I'm like, I'm glad I don't have kids to not worry about these types of things. Because I would be <laughs> yeah. so curmudgeon. Or when like they replaced the uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark books. Or, well, not the books, but the drawings. Oh, yeah. And it was like Stephen Gamble or whatever did them who did like the Harry Potter drawings. And so it's like that style. Yeah. You know, and so it's not scary at all. It's like a friggin' it's like a Harry Potter thing, but like within that book. I didn't read a lot of Berenstein Bears. I was into all those monster books, all those. Oh, you're making it seem like I wasn't now. You're like, I'm no, some sort like, of. I mean, I, I had a few, I'm sure, but for memory, like I couldn't name the plot of a Berenstein Bears book. Oh, but all those Richard Scary monster books. Oh, that's a great one, though. Those were so cool. And there was. A million of those. Did you ever have the one that was like, it, it was a different thing, but it was Morris and Boris. And it was like a bear and a moose. And they got into adventures. I don't think so. And so it's, I don't know how many books. There are more than one book. But like the one I remember was Halloween. Okay. And yeah. so like, they don't know what Halloween is. Like it's, the, you know, they're animals. They don't know what they're doing. Great costumes though, you would think. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, look, they're in a costume. They end up, I think they're fighting each other and whatever. And then Morris runs through a sheet and so, he, or maybe it was Boris, I don't know. And, and so he's wearing a sheet by accident. And then Boris or Morris, whoever it was, the other guy, he's got a garbage can on because they're like tripping over things. And then people are like, oh, great costumes. Here's some candy. Let's bob for apples. And they're like super accepting of these two animals wearing costumes by accident. And then they're like, oh, this Halloween is so great. Like Skeletor in the uh, Christmas thing where he's like, tell me more about this Christmas. You know, that's the best Christmas special. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like I've mentioned this to other friends. and They're like, I don't know what the hell Morris and Boris is. You're a lunatic. It's funny, specificity of where you live as well, because a little while ago at the 613 flea market, which is awesome, I found a button for a TV Ontario kids show from the early 80s. Oh, good might start. Even, might have even been the late 70s, but it was a moose and a beaver living in a treehouse, and it was just like mascots, you know, low-budget okay. mascots, and they ran a newspaper. But okay, as if you were going to say to slip that in there, <laughs> yeah. like it was not a huge detail. Come on. But I remember that cucumber stands for Children's Underground Club for United Moose and Beavers for Enthusiastic Reporters. Well, you can't keep adding the fours and yeah, not... there's it's one of those. Acronyms. I was like, what? The yeah, like then it wouldn't work. But... Cucumber, yeah. like what? It's like what is this? But I remember that. I don't remember anything about math or science. But that's in my head. You never even said the name of the show, by the way. I assume Cucumber. Cucumber, cucumber yeah. It's just called Cucumber. And I have this green button with the moose and the beaver on it. And I was so thrilled to get it. Because when I was a kid in the snail mail days, I was a member of their fan club, which might have just been something like my mom donated 20 bucks to TV Ontario during their, what do they call it, the telethons? Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I had a button and a membership card and maybe a patch or something like that. But that... In the days before streaming and internet and everything, that was Ontario. Yeah. So that wasn't even Canada. <laughs> like, people in Winnipeg or Vancouver or Halifax yeah. might have no idea what that is. Ontario is in Canada, though. 
but but I'm it didn't go outside jerk. of it. It didn't go outside <laughs> yeah. of it. No, that, those things are super. And it's like I do know of that show, but I I never saw it. Like, yeah, I did have TVO was like one of the four or five channels we actually had. But Polka Dot Door, you have that. Oh God, yeah, yeah. And, and Under the Umbrella Tree, I was big on that. Oh yeah, with that was uh, done here, know. I think, because we had like the new VR. And you guys had the new RO. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Same yeah. channel, basically. You know? Yeah. And so, like, they used to show, like, 60 Star Trek and yeah. fun stuff, you know. But, the, yeah, TVO is like, oh, my God. Yeah, Polka Dot Door was huge. And, like, there was a handful. Uh, today's special, obviously. Like, yeah. That's a classic. And we always, still, years later, I found out about the alcoholic episode of that one <laughs> with, like, Uncle Jimmy or whatever it was. And he's, like, getting mad and drinking. And they're like, oh, he was mean to Muffy, you know. And I was, you know, it's like the stuff where... When you're as an adult, you're watching it. And you're just like, "Good lord!" Like this was just a normal thing. Well, it's like even I was naive to this until pretty recently. But something territorial as well was the hilarious House of Frankenstein. Oh yeah, so good. Which actually I, I didn't really get to see till it was on like the drive-in channel or whatever it was. Like yeah. one of those types. That show's ridiculous because I don't even think I'm exaggerating. It was something like they made. 175 episodes in a year or something like that. It was a lot. And then they just had those go out into the world and play i can't remember if it played saturday morning style or after school style like yeah. four o'clock or whatever yeah, i think uh, probably both actually i mean and it was play. something like where vincent price went to hamilton or somewhere yeah yeah for like four days and worked four 10-hour days like crusty the clown basically essentially <laughs> or four, four 14 hour days yeah of just sitting there and doing a handful of costume changes and doing some Edgar Allan Poe or doing some puns. And then they would put those clips throughout the 175 episodes. And that was strangely to keep on movie theme was totally my introduction to Vincent Price. Hmm. And then a little bit after that thriller. And then I watched all the movies, Yeah, but it was that weird TV show was my introduction to the cinematic genius of Vincent Price. It'd be a lot weirder if it was like his romantic leading man, early, early stuff. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. like he used to be black and white heartthrobby type guy, oh, like yeah. nothing horror, nothing like that at all. And it's so weird to, I mean, even like Peter Cushing, you know, probably had a ton of roles like that as well, but you don't think about that. And I'm, I'm sure they were both proud of that work to a degree, but you're also like, uh, yeah, that's not really what we're interested in, not to be a jerk. I like those guys because in their elder years especially, not even elder, but in their grown-up years, they really embraced all that stuff. Kind of unlike Alec Guinness, who, you know, understandably a bit, who had this amazing career, and then in his twilight years were just nerds running up and trying to get him to autograph Obi-Wan Underoos or whatever. Yeah. And you could see that being a little annoying. But Christopher Lee, Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, I think they had no qualms against doing the hammer horror stuff or any of that kind of thing. I had no problem. I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I think just with the creator coming out, you know, I had no problem with digital Cushing, you know, in Rogue oh, yeah, One. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people and, and, and uh, Princess Leia as well, you know, like it didn't bug me at all. Like I'm it just, you know, it made sense to have that character be in the story. It'd be kind of, weird you know they could have done it the other way and just had him be in you know a minute or two but he was a great villain and like people love peter cushing they love that character so i was like sure i get it maybe it could look slightly better but i don't know like are we stupid for being lost in the moment and enjoying a film you know and you know it's weird i went into that having no idea that was going to happen yeah so when it happened and especially now i'm sure you look at it and be like oh it doesn't look as good because our effects move so fast yeah but a friend of ours went to see it and we were chatting about it, and she's not a nerd and not even a super big Star Wars fan, so she had no idea. And 
she was like, wait, what are you talking about? And it was like, well, that old guy, the bad guy, <laughs> the old admiral guy, that is an actor from the late 70s who has been passed away for decades and they made him and they got an actor and the voice and everything like that to recreate it. And instead of just getting a different actor, as you can do, they digitally put his face on there. And she had no idea. And I've heard that from a number of non-nerds. So it's so funny that the nerds that it did make angry, there's the opposite side of the coin of people just going to a movie who didn't notice at all, thought yeah. it was just an old guy. Yeah, and, and just for all the complaints or not complaints about Star Wars sequels and stuff like that, I mean, I don't know how you could enjoy, regardless of age or whatever, but I don't know how you could enjoy Phantom Menace and then watch Rogue One and be like, oh, well, that didn't look very good. Yeah. And just yeah. like, because there's so many things in these movies, really in all of them, I guess, like I'm biased to enjoying the older ones, but it's like, you know, there's always going to be stuff where you're like, oh, I'm sure that could have looked better. Or that could have been this or that. But like, I don't watch movies like that. Like I just, no. and, and even, oh my God, like to bring it back to Oppenheimer, there are people upset that there's a scene with flags that have 50 stars instead of 48, which it should have been at That's the time. That's my favorite. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm not a violent person, but I feel like I want to fist fight those people. I'm like, are you serious? Like, and that's deep in the movie. That was like an hour and a half, two hours into the movie. I'm like, you're really, and you're like, nope. Like that, I can, I counted those. I can count from here. And that is 48. I know it. And wasn't it all just like or little 50. handheld flags? Yeah, exactly. That's it. So I'm just like, first of all, I don't know how the hell anybody could possibly count them. You'd have to freeze frame the movie that's in cinema right now. Yeah. And like, also, who cares? It's two stars for some stuff i sort of understand like there's this horror movie i really like called frankenstein's army and it was like really great creature effects but it was basically a found footage world war ii movie the guy keeps filming and whatever but watching it with my wife she was like they wouldn't have had that much color film back then there's no way color film was a hot commodity it was hard to have that much and i was like okay and she's like oh yeah i know they wouldn't the sound would have been overpowering the video you know there's no way they could have had perfect sound i'm just like look i love you so much but please can we just enjoy this it's a low budget horror movie like it's just for me that's all it takes you know like i'm just like okay uh, yes if this was real and there were really these creatures in world war ii no the guy wouldn't be filming the whole time and the camera would be huge he wouldn't have the color stuff all this stuff i'm just like when do we get to a point where we're just like can we just agree going in that we're gonna shut up now that everybody knows what a multiverse is that is my go-to debate club retort anytime somebody complains about something in a movie that's not historically accurate is i just go yeah, it's not our past. It's not our future. It's something different. Because I forget what it was, but in the original Ghostbusters, somebody was complaining, I think tied into Ghostbusters Afterlife, about, well, we never heard about stuff happening in New York, and that's not how things would have worked or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that did not happen in our planet. That happened on a different planet where Ghostbusters was an actual job in New York City that you could look up in the phone book, and they were minor celebrities for a while. Yeah. And that did not happen. But that's okay that that did not happen because I also saw a movie called Godzilla and that never happened. <laughs> you know, wow, like, that we know of anyway. That we know of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it's kind of cool when they do stuff, more so in comics, but some of the animated stuff where they do something like uh, like Marvel's or, you know, like or even like Marvel Zombies, you know, yeah. where there's these neat kind of alternate things where you're like, okay, realistically, if we did sit down and be like, if something like this happened, how would that go about, you know? And it's, it's neat because, especially in comic books, I mean, there's no budget, really. You can kind of just dream oh, God, up whatever yeah. you want. And so even something like, not Doom Patrol, uh, Damage damage Control, is that what it was oh, called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, 
who thinks of this where you're like, okay, what about the team that has to clean up from all the messes that the superheroes make? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and it's just like, it's kind of neat that, you know, there are abilities to come up with, to step back and be like, okay, well, you know, that's a good point that you made because on a day-to-day thing, the average Superman fan is not going to care or think about stuff like that. They just, a lot of them kind of want the same story again and again. I always thought how annoying Iceman would be (laughs) because he's flying through the city on his ice bridge. Yeah. And that just stays there? That melts? That falls over and squishes a car? The melting isn't a problem, but the chunks falling would yeah, be the yeah, problem. Because yeah. like, if it just melted and it melts gradually and drips and whatever, I'm like, okay, kind of annoying. Not that big a deal. There will be heavy, large things falling on cars. Yeah, I live in Ottawa. I've had ice fall on me before. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, Iceman, damn it. Yeah, so we have damage control going out and taking care of that. Yeah. Well, it's like, I just finished listening to... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the audiobook. Ooh. It was read by Jennifer Jason Lee, so that was pretty cool. And it's not because your parents didn't let you go see the movie. And yeah, I wasn't allowed. You to watch it, but like, uh, it's not the same. But Quentin does that, which I think is kind of fun, where, you know, and whatever. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the movie was two and a half hours, and this audiobook was like 13 hours, I think. So there's way more backstory and way more detail and all mm. kinds of stuff. But there's one part where... There's a character that Leo's character meets, and she's a little kid. It's the little kid in the Western TV show that he's doing. And we learn what happens to her next. And there's a part where Quentin writes in that she was nominated for an Oscar for a 1999 Quentin Tarantino movie. And it's not a real Quentin Tarantino movie. (laughs) So in the Once Upon a Time-averse... There's a Quentin Tarantino movie and a Quentin Tarantino that doesn't exist in our world. So he made this whole other multiverse where this little kid in the Western that Leonardo DiCaprio is acting in goes on to be an Oscar nominee in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Is he in the book too, or he's just mentioned? He's just mentioned like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that would be, <laughs> that honestly would not shock me if there's a whole other side plot of yeah. him as a, <laughs> you know, not co-star, but as like a bit part. And then of course he changed history in Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I kind of like that where you switch things up by just completely changing history and being like, yeah, it's not our history. It's a movie. Of all the people who are going to do something like that, it's definitely him, you know? So like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, it's it's really neat. Like, I like the idea, and especially nowadays, like, there's just so much going on that's, like, multiverse, alternate universe type thing. Like, that's just, it's kind of fun. Like, that, that was always a thing back in the day, like, the sci-fi aspect. Even, like, something like Sliders or whatever, you know? It was basically a multiverse. Yeah. And it's it's funny, like, just how it's, now that Marvel has successfully pulled that off, I mean, not that they were the first or anything like that, no, but no. like now that they've pulled that off in major movies and people have just gone with that at TV shows too, I feel like I see it everywhere now. Oh yeah, it's a big thing. But I've been a multiverse fan since I was a kid because when I was around 10, there was the big Crisis on Infinite Earths from DC Comics, which was a crisis in the universe. And at the end of it was only one world versus all the multiverse but also reading Stephen King, because Stephen King really has a good multiverse going because he's got his Dark Tower world and his Richard Bachman world and the Stephen King world. And they all kind of cross over, but they have connections. And that's all that they're doing now. It's like anything else. It'll run its course because, God, what, as we speak, we have in theaters The Flash across the Spider-Verse and Doctor Strange wasn't too long ago. 
So we had a bunch of kind of multiverse stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole arc of the MCU right now is kind of multiverse. It was kind of interesting they did that. I don't know if you watched that Castle Rock show. Oh, I did, yeah. But yeah, because yeah. that, I didn't see it, but from what I heard, that was kind of everything King kind of blended exactly. in there. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ultimate King multiverse show. It really was, yeah, where you had like, a character from Misery and a character from Cujo and just kind of all at the same time in a story versus all these different books. Yeah, and in theory, I'm sure you could watch it and just enjoy it as a normal thing. I think so, yeah. Seeing every little... But also, like, I feel like you don't want to watch it for the first time with someone... I don't want to say someone like you, but like someone oh God, who's yeah. an insane super... And it's just like, that's the thing from It. That's the thing from, uh, you know, Gerald's Game. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> I'm currently listening to his book called Fairy Tale. Which is funny because one of our staff, Sarah, just read it. So I'm going to have a good conversation point with her. Nice. But in Fairy Tale, they just mentioned Roland from the Dark Tower books. Hmm. If this is the first Stephen King book you've ever read, you would just pass by that. You'd be totally fine. But if you're a nerd, you go, oh, that's Roland from the Dark Tower books. <laughs> and I think he does a good job of that, of just kind of having those in there. I think Marvel does a pretty good job of that, where theoretically, if you only watched ant-man or theoretically if you only watched captain america you'd be okay it would just be kind of a movie but if you've watched all 85 of them you have more details yeah we started rewatching from the start of the marvels we stopped at thor no offense to thor but i don't know it's i still think the worst (laughs) marvel movie is better than the best of some other franchises yeah it's just the thing is like some of those ones are like the okay song in the middle of an album right right before (laughs) the song you really want to hear yeah and i'm just like thor you're all well and good but like i kind of want to watch winter soldier or like i kind of want to watch you know something like and it's kind of a backhanded compliment where like the best of marvel stuff is super cool yeah and so back in the day it was a trilogy be like oh i gotta watch a trilogy of movies and now it's like i gotta watch what is Marvel? Like 30 movies? 25 oh, movies? I don't even know anymore. Like it's, it, it's just been happening. And like Iron Man was 2008, I think. Yeah. So it's just, there's more than I think. But it's, I could say the same about seasons of Survivor, which is apparently still on. Oh, yeah. Anytime <laughs> someone complains about Marvel, I'm like, you do know that Law and Order is still on and it's canonical from the past 25 years. And they've been making at least 22 episodes a year, sometimes 66 episodes a year. Yeah. And that's all in the same universe. And you're still watching Dark Shadows, I hope. I am. Uh, I got a bit delayed because (laughs) anytime there was the Evil Amazon had their big Evil Amazon day, and I didn't buy anything, but they had Cartoon Network for 99 cents a month for two months. Oh, boy. So I got that. They got you. So I've been watching a lot of (laughs) Scooby-Doo and a lot of Batman cartoons. Okay. So that's kind of what I watch on my lunch break lately, but I'm on episode 573 of Dark Shadows of 1200 and something. God. It's crazy. It it's sounds crazy. like when someone was telling me about One Piece, I think it was, and they were like, oh, you should watch One Piece. It's like an anime or something like that. Okay. You know? and they're yeah, like, you should yeah, watch yeah, One yeah. Piece, you know? I was like, oh yeah, how many episodes are there? Like a thousand. I was like, <laughs> I'm never going to watch that. Yeah. I was like, no offense. I'm sure it could be a very cool show. There's no way in hell I'm ever going to watch that. (laughs) That is the nice thing nowadays of whatever. I forget the episode count, but Stranger Things being five, ten episode seasons. Yeah. Whereas if Stranger Things was the X-Files, they'd want it to last as long as they could and Mm -hmm. make as many episodes as they could because of syndication and DVD sales and whatever. So Stranger Things would be like, nine 22 episode seasons yeah i got that was just so common like 22 was kind of oh, the yeah. go-to you know i think next generation i think 
was 25 or 26 episodes. Jeez. It was a lot. Yeah, the Munsters only had two seasons. Yeah. But there's like, oh God, not 100 episodes, but 70 at least. Is it? Yeah, and Batman 66 is three seasons. Yeah, and it's 120 episodes. That's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't make... I mean, it sort of makes some sense, but like that one, at least there was the cliffhangers and it was twice yeah. a week. So it's a little more sensical, but still like, but I mean, the third season was single, just like uh, single episodes, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that is at least a little bit easier to consume nowadays, but. <laughs> Great show too, obviously. Oh, I mean, yes. the Every pinnacle episode. of Batman. <laughs> Amazing. So let us mention the movies that we are screening the week of Friday, August 4th. We have two encore presentations Past Lives and Asteroid City both coming back. Which is especially good for me because we were talking, uh, friends of ours, uh, another couple, we went to see Moonrise Kingdom when it came out. And that was actually our second date, my wife and I. And so we've been talking about coming to see this as like, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so that I believe they're coming on Friday. And oh, cool. so there's no pressure. You know, I mentioned to Emily, she didn't say no. So we'll see. Fridays are tough because it's like end of the week. Say it's for your birthday. Oh, jeez. I mean, I'm going to be milking that for like a week. So, but I probably will say that. But I'm thinking, I'm assuming we're playing it at like seven. It's not like a nine o'clock. Yeah. Friday at 630. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's not long. It's an hour and 45, I think. An hour and 40. I do want to see it in theater. It's so good. It's so good. Just, I love Wes Anderson. You don't have to sell me in the movie, but it would be a nice double date, I think. So This very nice lady came up. And kind of suspiciously asked, how's that Asteroid City? And I said, well, (laughs) it's Wes Anderson. So do you like Wes Anderson? You'll like it. Do you not like Wes Anderson? You won't like it. And she kind of, what did she say? She said, yeah, I don't really like cute movies. Uh But but then she said, but my husband loves Wes Anderson. And I said, oh, that's Uh... interesting. So she said, ah, maybe he can just come by himself. And I said, yeah, it's it's top tier Wes Anderson. Like, I don't know if I would call his movies cute. Like, I get that, but... I don't know. Maybe what some, do you call them? Like kitschy or like like I could see eccentric. Like fabulous Mr. Fox is cute. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. Or Isle of Dogs. Yeah, that was cute. You know, I would not call uh, Rushmore cute. No, I, it's almost it's kind of bleak at times. Really, like oh yeah, I, most yeah, of his yeah. stuff, the early stuff especially, like like Royal Tenenbaums is bleak as hell at times. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and they all kind of involve death sometimes. Yeah, and like. And, all, and there's always some grumpy old character in there who doesn't like himself. But. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I could understand that. I think this is definitely like a theater type movie. And I do believe I probably will regret not coming to Two see it. Two seconds into it, I was like, I love this movie. Yeah, well, I feel like that for most of his stuff. Like, I just kind of, it's like a comfy sweater, you know? Yeah, and it's super meta and super weird. But the actors in it, holy cow, so many actors in it. And especially Jason Schwartzman and Scarlett Johansson, their roles in the movie, they have a lot of stuff together and they're really good. And there's shots in the movie where I'm like, I don't know how they did that. Where I thought it was a big fake backdrop. Yeah. And then the car drives into it. Like Roadrunner <laughs> like style. Wiley. I was going to say like Wiley Coyote. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I thought that was just a backdrop. Was that a digital car? Like, I don't know. Wow. And it's just beautiful and, oh, yeah, I really like it. eerie, too. Like, it looks kind of alien-ish yeah, almost. Yeah, because it's a sci-fi movie, kind of. Yeah. And Tom Hanks in it. Yeah, and, I was, and I'm assuming Bruce Willis is not in it. No Bruce Willis. Which no. is sad, you know, but I mean, he's so good at Moonrise Kingdom. Like, Yeah, that's oh one God. of the few movies in the past 15 years that 
clearly he was trying at. Yeah, that and Looper, you know, if that you was just it. played yeah. that, you know, you're good. I mean, maybe something else too, but those two were just fantastic. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, Bruce Willis is a really good actor. Yeah, not to make it sad. No, but, no, no. But there are plenty of other great actors in this. <laughs> you know, I am I'm very excited to see it. And it's just, I think I said like the last time, you gotta, he might be it. one of my favorite. I mean, he is one of my favorite directors. Anyways, yeah, so come to the movie. So then we have our 161st screening of The Room. Oh, boy. At the extra early 9 o'clock. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Still no news on Big Shark, but, you know, it's coming sooner or later. Yeah, because he posts a lot about it, and I'm always like, oh, maybe it says Ottawa. It never says no, Ottawa. No. One it's... day he will tell us. It'll be like, oh, hey, we can get it. Yeah, it's, I think he's mainly doing, like, San Fran and L.A. kind of thing now, and just again and again and portland i think he was there yeah and, you know yeah. so it's just kind of these random and probably seattle or something like just these weird cities so then we are kicking off i have to read this because i forget the moniker it is our cool canadian cult classics film fest throughout august wow that is a mouthful we're kicking things off it's almost i've read it's kind of like a coen brothersy kind of movie but more grindhouse and low budget canadian okay it's from the 70s called sudden fury which i have seen Oh, you've seen it. It's the yeah. only one I've seen of the crazy film fests. Would you concur with that? That it's kind of a Coen Brothers-esque kind of thing? Yeah, and I, I really liked it. I saw it last year, I think. I think someone put it, maybe Vinegar Syndrome or someone, I think, put out a Blu-ray of it. Yeah, I, we're I, getting this from American Genre Film Archive. Okay, yeah, and I, I can't remember. There was some, I don't even remember how it came up, but just for some reason, I seen reference to it and it sounded interesting. And, and yeah, like I didn't remember much about it until I was reading the rundown. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much about it, yeah, but don't it's tell kind, me. It's kind of a revengey type yeah, thing, I yeah, think. Yeah. Crime doesn't pay kind of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, but... yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's a bad guy and a good guy and a yeah. woman stuck in between. Uh, but it's Canadian, so... <laughs> and then the other three movies throughout the month are East End Hustle, The Kid Brother, and The Hard Part Begins. And what's cool is a lot of these ones haven't been on a screen for a while, and so it's fun to support Canadian cinema and get that out there. And anytime somebody complains to us that we don't screen enough Canadian movies, which we do all the time, <laughs> now we could point at this and be like, we're showing four this month. Come on. I heard you were running out of movies to show. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Catch that film fest throughout the month. And then finally this week, we are playing a 1970s classic, Chinatown, mm. starring Jack Nicholson, of course. It won... Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. And then was nominated for 10 other awards. But not Oscars. No, Oscars. Oh, 10. Okay. So it lost just... 10 out of 11 Oscars. Okay, okay. Like, so weirdly worded thing there. No, 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 like, yeah. It was up for just one writing and nothing else about it was good. That's it. Yeah. But just interesting, depending on how you phrase it, of getting 11 nominations is great. But then I'm sure when you're sitting there and you lose 10 nominations... That must be kind of like, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's not a movie that I think about too often, but like I watched it, you know, when I was young-ish, like in I my teens. I saw it here first, for sure. Oh, that's cool. During yeah. high school, yeah. And, and what blew me away, because like I remember, it's funny to think about, or maybe this is just me, but it's funny to think about that age that you're at before you really grasp what has sequels and other movies, stuff like that, you know? And so we had like the Leonard Malton guy. And so I remember, I remember finding out Night of the Living Dead had a sequel. Okay. That blew my mind. And then it has another sequel. I was like, yeah. what? And so this was another one when I found out about the two Jakes. There was a, like a Chinatown 2. No one talked about it. Not that it's a bad movie but just it's so hard to follow up a movie like chinatown you know yeah and it was i mean now we're so used to sequels happening 30 years later whether it be top gun or a new beetlejuice is coming out yeah but it was i think 16 years later yeah it blew people's minds they were like mm -hmm. 16 years because people were used to you know two years three years between and same thing i saw it once 
here at the Mayfair. Oh, it was a double bill or on its own? God, you know, it must have been a double bill. I bet you that's how I saw it. Seeing it like that, I remember going, oh, that was good. But then <laughs> I think if you had 16 years to be a fan and really yeah. let it stew and having one be a masterpiece and one just be, oh, that was good. I think that made people even angrier. Yeah, and they can't all be like the color of money or something like that. It's like sometimes yeah. it works. But I, th I think Nicholson might have directed the two Jakes. He did. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, even if I always, I don't know why I find that cool. Like, it's now just, I want to see the two Jakes. <laughs> I know, I, I, I've not actually never seen it. Like, it just never got around to it. It's worth seeing, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's Nicholson. Like, I, you yeah. know, I love him. I was going to say, like, is this a complete coincidence? We got the passenger, we're getting this. Is this like a covert Nicholson fest? Maybe. Maybe it was just in Lee's mind where he's like, oh, I haven't played Chinatown for a while. Yeah, like we're going to get The Pledge next, which is also a great film. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, huh, it has nothing to do. Wow, well, there's no pattern here. What are you talking about? There's some stuff like that. Like, as I say, it's almost like a stand-up comedian or a band says like, oh, I can only visit that town every two years, every three years. And it's kind of like that with the exception of stuff like The Room or Rocky Horror where you can't play Chinatown once a month, yeah. but you can play it once a year, once every two years, that kind of thing. And they'll just keep on rotating forever because there's always a new 18-year-old who was 16 <laughs> a couple years before or whatever. Yeah, I really wish they would do a screening of Chinatown in Chinatown. Oh, yeah. Like, I know it, it has very little to do with Chinatown itself, but that could be a fun time. They, they do movies in the park. Yeah. Yeah. And Chinatown is, for other awards, it was Edgar Allan Poe Award, Best Motion Picture. What? And, How, what's the... What? And the BAFTAs, it won Best Actor for Jack, Director, and Screenplay. All right. And it was a big hit, too. It's one of those movies yeah. that was kind of the triple threat of sometimes movies only get one of these, but it was critically acclaimed, got a bunch of awards, and made a bunch of money. Was that 74? Yeah. Yeah, so the same year as Texas Chainsaw. Not um, that anybody was asking, but... And it was right when Jack was just rolling, yeah. you know, which he kind of kept doing until the 90s, pretty much. Yeah, and, that, and that's even crazy because then you get, like, as good as it gets, and, you know, and then you got another Oscar for that. Like, yeah. it's such a crazy career. And that was more around when I was old enough to actually start to kind of get him more. You and know? then that he actually retired. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, which, yeah, who would have thought? I mean, we've, we've touched on that the last time, but like, yeah, I just, I love that he's just, from all accounts, you know, he just kind of chills, like he just kind of smokes weed and hangs out and does what he wants. And I'm just like, games, right? that yeah. is so awesome. Like, and he uh, hangs out with his daughter, his uh, granddaughter, whatever, you know, and like, yeah. I guess he just does what he, he's just like a hippie now. And I'm yeah. just like, he's just rich and who cares, you know? Yeah, he's got all the money in the world. Yeah, I love it. And making movies is hard. Oh, God, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's time consuming. Like 70 or something, you're like, ah, that's hard. Yeah, and he's... He's definitely the kind of guy that could, you know, if he wanted to do the Michael Caine, you know, come in for a day or two. Yeah. He could, but like, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's good. Uh, yeah. So that's it. That is our movies for the week of Friday, August 4th. Of course, also very sadly, Paul Rubens passed away recently. Terrible. But we'll talk about that more next week because on next week's schedule, the nice thing about programming weekly is we've squeezed in peewee's big adventure for a couple screenings next yeah. week almost big top peewee and then you upgraded what a roller coaster ride that was yeah the, the long and short of it is peewee's big adventure is not available for distribution so we were like oh but we can get big top peewee which is still kind of cool yeah and then they changed their mind and we're like yeah okay it's cool we'll let you have it that's hilarious so then we had to like nix all that other publicity we put out wasn't it like within an hour it was right after <laughs> lee sent me a text that we just said so oh man <laughs> and i was like ah but it was like oh well yeah because you're like if you're ever gonna have it available come on like yeah and it might not time. be again because they're basically lee i think yelled at them and was like <laughs> come on he died you the gotta guy let died. Us play this and they were like okay you can have mystery men you're like yeah. no we don't want mystery men no offense to mystery men but we'll talk about paul rooms next week because we'll have the excuse to chat about Wee's big adventure yes 
So thanks for listening, everybody. You can find us on the social medias. Funny thing, I didn't tweet today because Mark Hamill said, don't go on Twitter today, just see what would happen. So okay. we'll I, see. It's, I, it's a Twitter ban today. I, I still have not also tweeted, so I'll, don't do st- it. I'll stick to that. Do it for Mark Hamill. I'll wait for my birthday to tweet. You can find us on all the other stuff. We're slowly putting stuff on that threads thing. Threads, yep. Actually getting some play from that. There you and go. Instagram and Facebook. And of course, the old boring old website which is always the best place just to find the show times and everything yeah find us on sanskrit and parchment <laughs> yeah we're on all the top stuff so thanks again for listening everybody and we'll see you back next week on the mayfair theater podcast bye, bye. oh and r.i.p to my kitty milan who oh, passed kitty. away suddenly terrible early birthday gift but you know she had a good life and I-, I like to think she'll just be chilling around at the movies here we'll miss you kitty bye Chinatown, most highly acclaimed film of 1974. Four stars, highest rating, New York Daily News. Newsweek says Chinatown is a brilliant cinematic poem. Women's Wear Daily calls it a dazzling success. And Rex Reed calls Chinatown sensational, a fabulous movie. See Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway in Chinatown from Paramount Pictures. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent.